This morning we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments again. And I was hoping last week to get through the first four. We barely got through two of them. So we're going to pick up and finish uh, three and four, Lord willing, this morning. But when we talk about what's going on today in our land, okay, we hear again and again in the news, like, oh, they've removed the Ten Commandments from this courthouse, or this city has removed it from their city hall. How many of you guys have seen those before? That's happening. It's a bummer because you guys know that the law of God is for all people, not just the Jewish people. And we're going to talk about that. Actually, let's talk about that now because <laughs> there's some clarity that needs to be made when it comes to us approaching the Ten Commandments because a lot of Christians, they'll approach the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments saying, well, I, I thought Jesus fulfilled the law. Didn't he cry out upon the cross? It is finished didn't he do all the prophets and the law said that he was that perfect sacrifice? Aren't we taught that we're no longer under the law, that we are free? Absolutely, okay? But we need to understand that there is a very clear distinction when it comes to the Ten Commandments in the law of Moses. And I want you guys to track with me because there is a lot of confusion today, okay? There's a dear brother that I love a lot. Okay, and the last time I sat down to get together with him, we had a long conversation. He wasn't able to answer just some very basic questions when it comes to why do you want to keep the law? He was a brother that was a part of our church. He was the first guy, we weren't even trying to start a church, but he's, he's a guy who came up to me and said, hey, where do we tithe? We want to give. I'm like, I don't know. And he took care of it. He built a little box, and next week, <laughs> church started taking offerings. And we don't do passing a plate, but he was gone home. He was a, him and his family served and helped out a lot. But he got tripped, in, tripped up into this Hebrew roots movement. Have you guys heard of this? Where we as Gentiles, okay, we're going to go back as Christians, and we're going to start keeping all these rules in regulation. Church is no longer on a Sunday, which the early church in Acts did, okay? We're going to keep the Sabbath, Saturday worship, and we're going to keep these festivals. And Jesus isn't the only sacrifice needed. He's just one, the ultimate one, they'll say, but we have to do all these other ones also to be right before God. And that's a perversion of the scriptures, and when I sat down with him, the last conversation we had, he couldn't answer any of my questions. I'm like, bro, the Bible says this. I know you believe God's word. Why aren't you doing it? Why are you bringing yourself under this yoke? It was for freedom's sake. All the laws we looked at last week, the law is a tutor to point us to Christ. That's all it does. It can't save us. And being part of a group who's teaching that we can work our way and we have to do these things, that perverts the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know you know better. And he's just, he told me he wasn't learned enough yet, that he didn't have the answers, that he was still learning. And when he finally figured out why he's doing this, he was going to share with me. I still haven't heard back from him why he's doing what he's doing we got to be very careful, guys, when it comes to the law. And I want to make a distinction that I hope is very clear for you and I this morning when it comes to the law. Because the Ten Commandments, we are now at Sinai in Exodus chapter 20. And there, when God gave the Ten Commandments, 
Who, who, who was he speaking to? We're, we're told all heard. The congregation, millions and millions, three million people probably, heard the audible voice of God give his law. He spoke for everyone to hear. This is God's law. And there's a distinction when it comes to the Ten Commandments in the law of Moses. Because the law of God is for all people for all time. And we see that taught in Scripture. The Apostle Paul, towards the end of Romans chapter 7, talks about the law of God. When God spoke, he spoke the Ten Commandments. But when it comes to the law of Moses, which a lot of people want to keep <laughs> and do, who was the law of Moses for? For the Israelites, the children of Israel. Are any of you guys Jews here today? No, we're Gentiles. Isn't it cool that the gospel was going to be for all peoples, all nations, that there would be a Savior? Okay? But when it comes to the law of God, that is for all people, whether you're Gentile or Jew. It is for all people. And that's the thing that's cool is if we call our study as we've been going through Corinthians, there's three groups of people, right? We have the church, we have the Gentiles, and then we have the Jewish people. We as the church, you can be a Jew or a Gentile, and you're a part, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are now a part of the church, okay? That's our identity. I'm in Christ. I'm born again of the Spirit of God. There is this new covenant that has been given to us. It doesn't matter what our background was, if I was a Jew or a Gentile, what matters is that I'm in Christ today. And when it comes to the law of God, guys, there is a distinction because what God had spoken audibly for all people to hear because it was for all people, okay, these are things that are just right. They reveal who God is and what is right. We just walked through with our kids the Ten Commandments. Can you guys say that, hey, one of those doesn't sound good. We, we shouldn't do that. That should just be a Jewish thing. Or would you guys say, no, those Ten Commandments actually kind of work for all mankind, if we would actually just, because stealing, cheating, you know, lying, yeah, that's just good for all people, right? We should really just worship God because we're his creation. I mean, all of them. Idolatry is not a good thing. Yeah. Guys, we've been created for God. <laughs> In the Ten Commandments, and that's why I think it's a beautiful thing that it is something that we should reverence, that we should obey no matter who we are but when it comes to the ceremonial moses law and then we see that taught separately in the new testament i mean they struggle you guys can read through acts 15 later today there was a whole thing on the law of moses and what gentiles should do with that okay again guys we are set free from the law there are the ceremonies the festivals all the things that talk about civil law that was for the nation of israel specifically, and a, we're going to go through it. Some of you guys might be asking the question, well, <laughs> that's great. I'm seeing that the Ten Commandments, those were for all people. The law of Moses, did God speak audibly to everybody concerning the law of Moses? No, that would be chapter 23, or 21, 22, and 23 of Exodus. We're going to get into that in the next few weeks. And then a lot of Leviticus, there's parts of there that is considered the law 
of Moses. And it's really cool. Why are we going to go through that then as Gentile believers? Because we believe that the volume of the book is about Jesus. And you guys know that every single one of the ceremonies, the festivals, they're all pictures of Jesus. And there's a lot of application for you and I, even being Gentile believers, which is going to be really cool for us to dive into and get into. But I think it is helpful for you and I to understand when it comes to the law of God, these Ten Commandments, it is different than the law of Moses. Jesus spoke of that very clearly. Matthew 24, Paul lays out the difference between the two. And it's something that I think you and I, when we rightly divide the word, it saves ourselves. Because there is a safety. We are called to keep the Ten Commandments. Okay, will the Ten Commandments save any of us? No. But it does reveal who God is and what he's asking of us. And we know that his ways are better. And again, guys, as we've considered the first couple, and we're going to get into the next two together, when we're really in that place of fulfilling the law and keeping the law, it all comes back to love, doesn't it? You know, hey, God, you love me. You told me to love you back. I'm going to worship the Lord my God. There will be no others. Okay, I'm not going to bow down to anybody else. I'm not going to use your name in vain. Hey, I'm going to keep the Sabbath day holy because that is something that you've asked us to do, to rest, to worship you. Good things. So I wish we had more time to get into that, but it will help us if we have that in mind. Also, our goal is to know and to worship God. Okay, As we approach the Ten Commandments, that's the big thing. So last week, guys, we looked at you shall have no other gods before me. You guys know that God needs to be number one. What has our affection? What consumes our thoughts? Do we treasure God above all things? I hope so. And do you guys know in how we treasure God? Do you guys know that can grow over time? How many of you guys can testify, say, man, I treasure Christ so much more today than when I first believed. I'm treasuring him more than I did a year ago, six months ago. Even a month ago, okay, above all things. You guys know I like my wife a lot. I really like my wife. I love her. I missed her this weekend. I'm glad we have women's retreats, but they stink at the same time because she had to go. But I can honestly tell you guys, my love and adoration for my Savior is so much more. It's not even comparable to how much I like my wife. I love my wife. My love for him is so much greater. Why? Because his love is so much greater. Because he is God. He is so other. He's the treasure to be had. So many people think, well, I got to do this church thing or Christianity or believe this gospel because hell is real. And it is very real, guys. God desires none to perish. And he has made a way for us to have eternal life, to be with him in heaven. But the truth is, guys, if it's all about just getting to heaven one day and it's not about being with Jesus, with our Heavenly Father, we've missed it, guys. He's the treasure. That's what we're looking forward to. And we get a part of that now. Do you guys know that the kingdom has come in part? Okay. How many of you guys have a relationship with Jesus? How many of you guys are experiencing the full relationship that you'll have with him when we do get to the kingdom one day, to heaven. It's going to be so radically different then, okay? We just see in part, dimly. 
But this is going to be, yeah, it's going to be so cool. You guys know when John finally saw him, when he was caught up and received the revelation that we read about at the end of the Bible? Do you guys know that he just freaked out? <laughs> he dropped down as dead. He was in so awe of who God was. And wasn't it so cool? <laughs> Lord's like, no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. But that's, again, because God is so other. He desires fellowship with us. He paid the price that we can have fellowship with him. And we are to adore him and have our affections be given to him foremost above all things. And that's why we're told here, you shall have no other gods before me. And we are good at making idols, aren't we? We talked about that last week. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. And we're seeing that today, okay? So many people are caught up into idolatry, okay? Carving their images, bowing down and worship them. I was working with David on Thursday morning, and he does a lot of video stuff, as you guys know, kind of into that stuff. And he's got a, a client that travels all over the world, and he was showing me some video. When Was that in India on that trip? Remember which one it was? Yeah. I mean, people carrying their idols, the way they would bury their dead, all the different ceremonies, and how it all came around, these false gods being worshipped. And your heart just sinks. You've missed, that's not God. That carved piece of wood isn't going to do a thing for you. Praying to those dead saints is not going to do a thing for you. There's one mediator between man and God, and that's Christ Jesus. How many Christians are bowing down to these false idols today? That's why a lot of people walk into a church, you know, like an evangelical church like ours, you're not finding statues <laughs> around. Why? Because we take the commandments of God serious. He says he alone is Savior. He is God. He's the only one to be worshipped, period. And then he tells us not to have any engraved, you know, images. None. Idolatry is not a go. This morning during our prayer time, we were in James chapter, or First John, sorry, chapter 5, Beautiful passage of scripture, but the last thing, this, I don't know if you guys know, but John was the apostle who lived the longest. All the others had been martyred for their faith in Christ. So he's an old dude, and the church got so excited when John would come and visit and preach, you know. And I love John, and his message was very simple. You know, hey, you guys need to be loving God and loving each other. <laughs> that's, that's it. You guys need to love. But I love how he concludes his letter there in first john 5 the last thing he says keep yourself from idols i gave you this awesome letter i testified to who jesus is i encourage you guys to love each other to love him to enjoy the fellowship that we have together as believers and there's so much good stuff in that book and this is what i'm going to conclude everything with keep yourself from idols why because we are idol factories aren't we I'm guilty. I could sit here for the rest of our time and just rattle through all the idols I've had in my lifetime. I remember as a kid, man, whoo, Transformers. Okay, some of you guys may not be from that generation, but those were the coolest. Really? My car could turn into a robot? Coolest. How many different idols have we had through the years? And I got into sports. And there's this guy called Air Jordan. <gasps> He's just the coolest thing that's ever lived. No, he's a man in need of a savior. He could bounce the ball and put it through a hoop. 
and look at the way people worship. We want to be idolatrous, guys. But the problem is we are bowing down to such lesser things. God alone is to be worshipped. And because of that, we live for him. Um, I don't even have my notes up here yet. Let me see if I can find. There we go. Cool. Let's look at number three together. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Okay, so this is important for us to get because there's a reverence when it comes to our worship. So revering the name of God, sorry, um, really leads um, us to a right place of worship because if we're not worshiping, there's not going to be a respect, especially in our culture. Would you guys say respect for God has changed in your lifetimes? I'm not talking about the history of the United States, but we are blessed to live here. Most prosperous nation of all time. We are very blessed. Even the poorest among us have lived better than most people have and do um, throughout the world and throughout history. We are very blessed people in a lot of ways. But in your lifetime, would you guys say our reverence for our creator has diminished, has changed? Would you say we've suppressed truth? We're rejecting God? I remember the (laughs) uh, Pledge of Allegiance. We do that every morning in grade school. How many of you guys did that? Okay. I was in a public school in Appleton, Lincoln Elementary, and I remember... I know I'm getting gray, but I'm not that old. <laughs> wasn't that long ago. And I remember after we would say the pledge, the principal got on the speaker, and he would say a prayer for the school. That was not that long ago, guys. And that was an okay thing back then. What would happen today if a principal got on and prayed over the student body? Ooh. Right? We've done away with God. We're taking the Ten Commandments away from everything. We're teaching our kids right across. You guys can look across the street there, okay? We're telling our kids there we're being, they're being taught there's no God. <laughs> I, I thought the first commandment was to worship God and him alone, but we're actually teaching our kids there is no God, that nothing blew up, and we just evolved from a bunch of goo. And if you believe that, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'm still trying. I mean, I know it's a theory, but if we're going to teach people to deny reality, because you look at creation, what does that tell us? There has to be a creator. If you're not willing to live in reality, give me some proof. And that's the problem, guys. There is no proof. The only proof is is we want to be our own gods. We don't want to actually honor him and glorify him. And thus, we're going to do away with God and his word altogether. Think about it. So much of our literature today has biblical imagery, biblical foundations. My wife is a literature teacher, and she has to teach him um, these different public schools, some of these different books that they're assigned. And these kids... They have no clue. Well, what, it, what is this talking about? Because they don't know the Bible. 
they can't even understand a lot of the liturgy we have. Why? Because Bibles were actually taught in school at one time. That was the foundation. You guys know the first thing that we printed here in the United States were Bibles. Why? So our kids could learn how to read and to write. In 1957, we're going to take Bibles out of school. No more. And you guys know what has happened to our country since then? Well, there was, we were, we were every year, you know, divorce rates were going up. Violent crimes were going up. Okay? We're sinful people. We should see that. I mean, it was on an incline. You guys can go check this yourself. Okay? But 1957, something changed. It started to skyrocket. And it continues to do so. And that happened in 1957. You have to ask yourselves, what happened in 1957? We stopped teaching our kids the Bible, the truth. Because if there is no God, what are you left with? Yourself. And if we're not willing to do what God says, what are we going to do? Whatever we think is right in our own eyes. And this is what we get, guys. Chaos. So, for us as Christians, okay, it's so important when it comes to the name of the Lord that we're not taking it in vain, okay? In vain means to be worthless or valueless. I mean, think of the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which someone can be saved. He has the name above all names. And the sad part is, the name of Jesus is upon the lips, more so upon the lips of an unbeliever than they are of the saints. Why? Because the name of the Lord has become a cuss word. I enjoy a good movie. I don't like my kids hearing foul language, profane language. So we'll take in a movie and they might not be dropping F-bombs, but man, GDs are good. Jesus Christ is good in a profane way. You guys ever really think about how backwards that really is? That he who is holy, totally set apart, our creator, our God, has become a curse word. Tell me Satan isn't at work. Think about it. Ever hear somebody say, oh, Hitler! I mean, if you want to use a dude's name as a bad name, use Hitler's, okay? Or the bully you grew up with. But not God who laid down his life because he loved you. Because we are sinners and we need a savior. And the world is completely blind to that. They don't know that they're doing it. But again, the Ten Commandments, this is not just for the children of Israel. This is for all people for all time. God is holy. He is your creator. You do not use his name in vain. His name is to be lifted up, exalted. Let that not be said of us, guys. How many of you guys, when you first got saved, one of the first things that God began to work on was your language? Not because somebody told you. It was just the Holy Spirit in you, like, hey, you're a child of the king. Princes and princesses should not be speaking this way. (laughs) That's not who I am anymore. That's one of the things that God starts working in us immediately. Okay? 
It's been a long time since I've had a swear word come out of my mouth. But you know what? I still have swear words in my head. Okay? I wish I could say I've arrived and I've been completely delivered. But there's times where like, oh, I stubbed my toe! It goes through my head. You know? But it's one of those things when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you can't use his name in vain ever again. OMG, I don't even like those. Or even, gosh darn it. You know? Because it's still linked with the Lord, isn't it? We got to be careful. On the flip side, on a good note with it, because we live among a people. How many of you guys heard a Lord's name used in vain just in the last week or two? Just out and about. Almost every single one of you. It happens all the time, right? I love it because it comes up all the time. You know, and I've done this with a few people where they'll say Jesus Christ in a bad way, you know, and I'll kind of intervene or step right into the conversation. I'm like, oh, do you know Jesus Christ? (laughs) Weird stare, no. (laughs) Why are you talking about him if you don't even know him? You can have a conversation and share then what Jesus has done. So, when we consider the third commandment here, guys, it's not just about what we do not say, but it's more about what we do say. And I think the primary place when it comes to really worshiping the name of God um, is to make sure that we're using it rightly. And I, I think one of the blessings of coming together in fellowship, we get to exalt the name of God together. That is a good thing. I know we've had people come and visit church, like, oh, I'll check out church. You know, sometimes they don't know the Lord. They haven't come into a relationship with him yet. They haven't believed yet. But I'm hoping as they come together, like, wow, there's a whole bunch of people that actually honor God. They are praising his name and his goodness. That's a beautiful thing. And I wish we would see more of that taking place. So we should honor him. Um, Sorry, I'm really sidetracked. One other point I want to make. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'm not sidetracked. This is needed. You guys ever get frustrated when somebody says something and then does something completely different? I kind of feel that's taking the names Lord in vain also. If I identify as a Christian, I am a Christ follower. I believe the gospel. I believe his word. He is my Lord. But then we go and do other things contrary to what we're saying. Okay? Uh, I'm not going to show you guys. I took a picture while I was driving this week on 41. I actually sped up because the person had a bumper sticker. It had the one that says, got Jesus with the big question mark, like got milk font. You guys remember that? Got Jesus. I'm like, that's so cool. You know, and then the bumper sticker right above it as I'm pulling up and I got closer was slandering our president. You know, whether you like him or not, I don't care. We're called to pray for him. That's what God calls us to do. He calls us Christians not to slander. Got Jesus? Because as Christians, we slander other people. We got to be careful, guys. Let's take a look here. Matthew chapter 7. 
Jump down to 21. This is Jesus speaking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. You're my Lord, Jesus. That means you're the master of my life. You're calling the shots because you're my Lord. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) You're my Lord. I thought if I accepted you as my Lord and Savior, I'm saved. Look what he goes on to continue to tell us here. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I'm using your name, God. Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonderful or wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Practice iniquity. Anyone who does not have the blood of Christ atoning for their sin is practicing lawlessness. You are in iniquity. I've sinned this last week, guys. I have faith in Christ. Even though I've sinned. And because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, my sin has been forgiven. His blood has washed me clean. Though there's times I feel dirty, I am holy. Do you guys understand this is gospel truth? Is because I have confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I have believed in my heart. I believe it. And as a result of that, I have come into a relationship with him. I know God. Pretty cool. There are a lot of people who use the <laughs> names Lord in vain who say, Lord, Lord, look at all the good stuff I've done. I'm a good person. I fed the poor in your name. I helped my old lady neighbor walk across the street in your name. I gave a cold cup of water to somebody in your name. I went and did some prison ministry in your name. And guess what? Even some demons got cast out in your name. Look at it. We built this and we did all of that in your name. And my question for you guys this morning is can we take the name of Christ and live in such a way that it is in vain. Absolutely. Because if we are taking his name and saying, hey, look at all the good works I'm doing. Look at all these things I've done. These good works, being a good person is going to save me. That's not what the Bible says at all, it does it, guys. The Bible says we can't do. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short. Jesus is the only one who's done it. And coming into relationship with him, knowing him. Because we can be doing one thing one day and another thing another day. And it's like, okay, you say you're a Christian. You're doing these good things, and it's all about these good things. But what God says is, I want you to know me. Do you really know me? Because broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. It's relationship with him. It's not religion. Would you guys read this passage in Matthew and say, this is all religious. It's all about what we do to be right with God. 
And there's a lot of people who take the name of the Lord in vain, saying, look at all these good things I did. I went to confession. I got baptized. Do you know how much money I gave to the church? Do you know how I served? I was on the worship team. I was a preacher of your word. And to have God say, you took my name in vain. You didn't even know me. This is going to happen to people, guys. I hope you're saved. I don't know if you know Jesus or not. What I do know, there's nothing you can do. (laughs) All you can do is receive his grace by faith and come into relationship. The second you say yes to him, he's proposed, guys. (laughs) He showed you. He (laughs) bled on that cross, nailed to the cross, and laid down his life saying, I love you. Your sins can be forgiven. I'm proposing to you. I want to spend eternity with you. I want you to come to my home. Will you say yes? I don't know if I'm going to say yes. Don't you know I'm a good person? (laughs) We're so foolish, guys. But that's what religion teaches. And we got to be careful of that. And that's why when us, as believers, come to the law of God, okay, again, this isn't going to save us. Again, as we looked at last week, Galatians, the law is a tutor to point us to Christ, to show us that we need a Savior. Because we can't, how many of you guys have broken one of the Ten Commandments? All right. At least you guys are honest, because lying is a sin, right? But the thing is, when it comes to the law, guys, we need, we need to understand that this is part of who God is. And if you guys catch just the first four we're going through, isn't this all coming back to loving God? if we really are in relationship with him, yeah, I'm going to worship you above all things. I'm not going to idolize these other things. I, I don't want to use your name in vain because I know that will dishonor you and I love you, Father. You love me. You guys understand that's a healthy fear of God? It's not being scared like, oh, it slipped. It's, oh, I'm going to burn in hell forever because it slipped. The fear of God, guys, is having a healthy fear of, I don't want to do anything that's going to dishonor you because I love you. Do you guys get that? And that's what God's relaying to us through this. And that's one of the important things when it comes to, um, how much time do we We only have four minutes. You guys. Just a couple more thoughts. I really wanted to unpack this. Do not use the names or the Lord's name in vain. Um, God told me, and you all need to know, we're not to despise prophecy. We're going through Corinthians 2 right now, right? Oh. I've had brothers say this. The Lord told me, and then they went and told this gal, you're supposed to marry me. You know what I want to do with those brothers? I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> Lord did not tell you that. You are manipulating and using the Lord's name in vain. Knock it off. How many videos I've gotten sent as a pastor? Have you heard this prophet? He's prophesying in the name of the Lord. I'm sorry, but I have the spirit of the living God. I can discern. I'm listening to like two seconds of this crackpot. And you're saying that because he said it, 
was of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to him, and he's speaking in the name of the Lord, it makes it true. No, we are to test all spirits, guys. Do we receive prophecy? Absolutely, but we got to test the spirits, okay? So stop messing with the promises of God and stop prophesying in his name unless he has spoken and spoken clearly, okay? That's one of those things. (laughs) I've been prophesied too, (laughs) And when it comes against what God has declared in his word, and this is the authority, okay? Do you guys know prophecy takes place every time we get together? Because we are foretelling the word of God. This is what God has declared, okay? But when something is declared that comes against this, then that's the Lord's name in vain. And that's why we're called to rightly divide the word. And I know we have a handful of visitors this morning. I'm glad you guys are here, okay? We really try to take God's word seriously because if we're not getting it right, we can't live it right, we can't give it right to other people. And we're not trying to be haughty like, oh, we got it all figured out. We just literally take the word as God speaks it, okay? We're not gonna be like, well, God for, you know, fulfilled Jesus what he did. He fulfilled the law, so we're not even gonna bother studying the Ten Commandments. We'll just forget that. We won't continue on through the Old Testament. No, all scripture is given by God and it's profitable, guys, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instructions, and righteousness. The man may be, man of God may be complete for every good work. We believe what God says about his word. And it is important that we are gathering together. And that's part of the reason why God's told us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Okay? We are called to come together to worship him to be instructed in his word, to keep it holy. And I know this is going to rub some people, but again, this kind of falls into the idolatry. What do we prioritize over the Sabbath day? I know I'm called to worship God, but I have these other priorities. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you on that. That's God's deal, okay? But there is a safety, and again, God's not trying to be a buzzkill. The Sabbath is for who? Does God need us to worship him? No. Jesus said very clearly, the Sabbath is for man, and there are rhythms to be found with us keeping the Sabbath. Do you guys know that it's healthy for us to rest? Okay? We are to work. That is very clear in Scripture. For some reason, people think, hey, I'm going to get by with the minimal, I just want life to be as comfortable as possible. Hard work, that's for those fools. No, God says work hard. Work hard unto him. But you also need to rest. One day a week, that's the rhythm that God's given us. One day a week, you need to rest. And some of us have a hard time. I'm guilty. Like, I was going to spend the bulk of our time talking about Sabbathing this morning. That was the plan. Actually, maybe we'll just have to do another study. Um, He says, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Okay, so the seventh day is a holy time, and it's why we're called to worship weekly. Okay, not every 40 days. I think of Moses. He went up on the mountain for how long? 40 days, right? And he heard from the Lord. He received from the Lord, okay, which is a good thing. But we are called, guys, to come together to respect, to have a community, you know, where we do observe. Again, I'm not that old. How many of you guys remember things actually being closed on a Sunday? That's unheard of. Seriously? How am I going to eat? 
What if I don't have enough gas to get where I'm going? Plan ahead. In order to keep the Sabbath day holy, plan ahead. I spoke with my mice gone this weekend, so I had to plan with my children. Like, hey, tomorrow is church. We're going to Sabbath. What are we going to do? What is it going to look like? What do we need prepared in order to go to church tomorrow? You think ahead. You have those things planned out. You ever notice the Jewish people? Okay, they take the Sabbath very seriously. They have crazy preparations. Okay, and again, we can get so lost in the legalism of trying to keep the law that you miss the heart or the purpose of the Sabbath. Because if we're not Sabbathing with a Sabbath heart, what good is it going to do us? We can plan our Sabbaths out so hardcore, and I'm going to keep the Sabbath, and I'm not going to do this, and, you know, that has to happen. You totally miss the point of the Sabbath, which is for rest. And I love, because he goes on to talk about servants and uh, animals, there's equality. It doesn't matter who you are. God's design is that we have rest. And that can be a good thing. We should be able to find rest, but we also have to do it with the right heart in order to enter in to his rest. And I don't know about you guys. Isn't being in the presence of Jesus one of the most refreshing things? Yeah. That's why God says, hey, pause. Let's have a day. You worship me. You rest. This is good for your soul. It's what's needed. Okay, I'm going to do a whole other sermon on the Sabbath. I'm sorry. I got I literally, most of my notes were on this. I haven't even scratched it yet. So we'll do it at some point coming up. Um, I want to leave you with one thought when it comes to the Sabbath. Um, no, we're going to have to say that because that's going to be too long. I'm sorry, guys. Hebrews 4 says that Jesus is our Sabbath. There is a rest that remains. When it came to the creation account, God worked how many days? Six. He created. Did a lot. More than any of you guys could do in six days. (laughs) But what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. I love the account in Genesis because we're told this was the beginning and the evening were the first day, okay? The beginning and the evening, the second day. The beginning and the evening, the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day. And then the seventh day began where God rested. You guys can go back, be Bereans, check this out for yourself in God's word. The seventh day never came to an end. And then we read in Hebrews that Jesus is our Sabbath. And there is a rest who, that remains for those who will receive by faith the word of God, mixing it with faith. Do we receive that? Because, guys, I think we're guilty of not believing God. I have to work. That's where I find identity. Don't you know? I live in here in America, and we got to get it done. Because I need that bigger thing, house, car, whatever it might be. And don't you know if I'm not working hard, even on the Sabbath day, then I can't have. Guys, we need to be careful of that. We need to learn to Sabbath and to rest. 
And I might be the most guilty one of that. And this is something God has worked on me a lot over the years. And that's why I want to take more time to really speak to it. Because I believe when we are resting well, we're going to be able to love well. A lot of people live for the weekend, right? I work hard for the weekend. But again, guys, I believe God, because the Sabbath starts when? Sundown. Okay? So the night before, we need to rest well that we're able to go into the week. And so many people are looking forward to the week to recover from their weekend. And isn't it cool here in America? We get two days, Saturday and Sunday for the Sabbath. Thank you, Jewish people and Gentiles. It's so awesome. Um, anyways, we'll talk more about that. But think about this, guys. We are to come from a place of rest. And we are so backwards today. And I think that's what Satan wants. How many of you guys like acronyms? We'll close with this. Write down busy. B-U-S-Y. B-U-S-Y. Note takers, you'll love this. Satan wants us to be busy. So busy I can't even make church a priority. I can't Sabbath. I got to keep going and going and doing and doing. I believe when we're busy, we are brought under Satan's yoke. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My yoke is light. Come to me and you'll find rest for your souls. Satan says, I don't want that for God's people. Because when they are burnt out and fried, they are good for nothing. How are they going to have the energy or the time to love and be about his business, serving him and others, being well and refreshed? You guys see why Satan might want us busy? So don't be brought under his yoke. Prioritize. Keep the Sabbath. I don't know how that looks. Well, praise God, we're going to have a whole other Sunday on it soon. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I wish we had more time to dive deeper into this, but I'm trusting, we're trusting that your Holy Spirit is bringing to light and bringing application into our lives and how just to live out what you've asked us to do. We do want to honor you and treasure you above all things and to enjoy you, God. In this life, God, you, you want us to have it in an abundant way. So we pray and ask of you, Heavenly Father, that you would teach us and help us to be teachable, that we could walk in your ways, God, in your rhythms, that we would learn how to Sabbath well, to rest in you, to enjoy you, God, to partake in the blessings of worshiping you above all else. God, to enjoy the reality of all that we have in you, Jesus. There's nothing like it. So thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time in your word. We pray again for our sisters as they travel home this afternoon. May you get them home safe, please. We pray for these this morning that you go before them. God, may you help us to walk in your spirit, to stay close to you. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen.